0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Van Maren Show on lifesightnews.com. My name is Jonathan Van Maren and today I want to address an issue that has been increasingly coming up at the pro-life presentations that I give across North America. It's interesting because only a few years ago I didn't get this question very often, but increasingly I think because of the horrifying things happening with Canada's euthanasia regime and the increasing acceptance of barbaric practices in Western countries, people are wondering, will infanticide be legalized in the next 10 to 20 years? And I think this is a good question to ask, actually, because more and more we are seeing evidence that the sanctity of human life was harnessed to our Judeo-Christian heritage. And that when you unharness our Judeo-Christian heritage from our cultural values, we see those values begin to slip. So let me give you one example, because for years, the pro-life movement has been warning that abortion leads to infanticide. And of course, pro-lifers would say there's no moral distinction between abortion and infanticide. And in fact, abortion is simply a form of prenatal infanticide. We would also point out that there have been horror stories coming out of the abortion industry now for a half century of abortionists who have killed babies after they were born, drowned them in buckets, suffocated them. These stories, are horrifying because one of the complications to the abortion procedure, and this is a complication formerly listed by abortion workers, is live birth. Because of course the intent of abortion is to kill a baby and so a live birth while you're attempting to perform an abortion is of course a worst case scenario. Live birth again is actually a complication uh, to the abortion procedure and that's why one that's one of the reasons why abortionists now prefer as opposed to inducing labor and assuming the baby will die or even soaking them in saline as they used to for many many years they like to give the child in the womb a shot of potassium chloride in the later term to ensure that the baby is dead before it's born because for quite a few years there were a number of children who survived abortion Uh, those of you who have regularly listened to this podcast will have heard interviews that i did with Gianna. Jesson and Melissa Oden and Claire Colwell. These are all people who survived an attempt on their life in the womb, were born anyways, and survived to tell the tale. Of course, oh, tens and hundreds of millions of children did not survive this. But I think that because so many abortion activists and pro-abortion progressive politicians like to insist that it's a ridiculous slippery slope argument to highlight the fact that abortion often does lead to infanticide, I'd like to point out that here in Canada for example we've had actual judges explicitly make the connection between abortion and infanticide and in fact I, I, there's a there's a story out of Alberta uh, that highlights this in a kind of a horrifying way Uh, On April 13, 2005, 19-year-old Katrina Effort secretly gave birth to a baby boy in her parents' home and she then strangled the child with her underwear and tossed the corpse over the fence into the yard of the neighbors. And on September 9, 2011, The CBC reported that Effort's conviction for this murder had been, quote, downgraded by an Edmonton Court of Queen's Bench judge to infanticide, and in lieu of jail time, she would merely serve a suspended sentence. And in her argument, the judge stated that, quote, while many Canadians undoubtedly view abortion as a less than ideal solution to unprotected sex and unwanted pregnancy, they generally understand, accept, and sympathize with the onerous demands pregnancy and childbirth exact from mothers, <clears throat> Especially mothers without support. Translation Katrina effort simply engaged in a really really late-term abortion, because given that Canadian law doesn't value a human life a few minutes before birth, why would it value human life a few minutes after birth? And in fact, the Abortion Rights Coalition of Canada, run by the pro-abortion Joyce Arthur, uh, posted that CBC article at the time and said, "A A tragic situation, but yes, there are compelling reasons for infanticide being a lesser crime than murder. Right? First, we said abortion wasn't murder, and now she's saying infanticide isn't murder either. But Canada's politicians have, have essentially acquiesced to this view as well with their silence. When it was revealed in 2012 for the first time by Statistics Canada that 491 babies had been born alive and left to die after abortions between 2000 and 2009, pro-life activists called for an official police investigation, including two pro-life members of Parliament. And when questioned about this in the House of Commons, then Prime Minister Stephen Harper responded by stating that, quote, all members of this House, whether they agree with it or not, understand that abortion is legal in Canada and that this government, myself included, have made it very clear that the government does not intend to change the law in this regard. In, otherwise, in other words, those 491 babies, which, because they had proceeded from the womb of their mother in a living form and thus were entitled to protection under Canadian law, were swept. by the conservative prime minister under the umbrella of abortion, essentially saying these were very late-term abortions uh, despite the fact that they died outside their mother's womb when presumably the protection of Canadian law had finally extended to them. In 2015, LifeSite reported that, according to official data from Stats Canada, as many as 182 babies died after they were born alive following late-term abortions in 2013 and 14, a 16% increase over 2011 and 2012. And again, after that, once again, requests for an investigation were ignored. There's a... A great pro-life blogger named Pat Maloney, who runs a blog called Run With Life, and she consistently does freedom of access to information requests of the government. And every year, she comes up with another sad and sickening report about babies being born alive and left to die after abortions in Canada. And again, uh, the media has reported on this a handful of times. The National Post ran a pretty long story about this at the time. But for the most part, most people just seem content to say, well, these babies died after an abortion and so better late than never. Uh, In other words, an attempt was made on their life in the womb. You know, And if it took them a little bit longer to die, even if they were denied care or comfort care, this doesn't really matter. And quite frankly, the difference between Stephen Harper and Justin Trudeau on the abortion issue has been basically minimal. There's a lot of people who still believe in this myth that Stephen Harper had this uh, hidden agenda that never materialized. But the reality is that de facto infanticide is already happening in Canada. The same thing is happening in the US as well to a large extent. And so I think it's an interesting question to discuss whether infanticide will be formally legalized when some forms of infanticide are already being accepted. So let's get into some other examples. And let's take a look at what some of the philosophers, the people I call the infanticide philosophers, are actually saying about infanticide. Because if if the last couple of years have taught us anything, it's that ideas that begin in the academy, in the ivory tower, on campus, end up being implemented on a society-wide scale. And that's why I found it very interesting in 2017 when Dr. Jerry Coyne of the University of Chicago actually complained that the residual effects of Christianity were holding Western civilization back. How, might you ask? It was Christian ethics, said Dr. Coyne, that were preventing legal infanticide from making a comeback. And here's what he wrote, quote, the reason we don't allow euthanasia of newborns is because humans are seen as special, and I think that comes from religion, in particular the view that humans, unlike animals, are endowed with a soul. He wrote, It's the same mindset that, in many places, won't allow abortion of fetuses that have severe deformities. When religion vanishes, as it will, so will much of the opposition to both adult and newborn euthanasia. In other words, it's only Christian views. Christian Christianity is what first banned legal infanticide in the Roman Empire. Uh, it's only Christian Christianity that's keeping us from killing babies, which I think is not only inaccurate, but quite a quite a, a bold admission <clears throat> coming from a philosopher. And a lot of philosophers share Coyne's views. Uh, one of the most famous of which many of you <clears throat> have probably heard of his name before. Princeton bioethicist Peter Singer, who is an animal rights activist, argues that only religious superstition is keeping us from killing infants, a practice which he believes is perfectly ethical. Here's what he wrote in practical ethics quote killing a defective infant is not morally equivalent to killing a person sometimes it is not wrong at all and in fact he makes the case that it's probably worse to kill a pig than it would be to kill uh, an infant because for singer the baby killing of our bloody pagan past is apparently a source of nostalgia rather than horror. It's not, just, uh, it's not just Singer and Coyne, either. Canadian cognitive psychologist Steven Pinker of MIT, very famous name, doesn't go quite as far as Singer, but I suspect that he shares Singer's and Coyne's views. In 1997, he actually wrote in the New York Times that laws against infanticide were difficult to defend. Here's what he wrote. I'm going to quote him to a biologist birth is as arbitrary a milestone as any other no the right to life must come the moral philosophers say from morally significant traits that we humans happen to possess one such trait is having a unique sequence of experiences that defines us as individuals and connects us to other people Other traits include an ability to reflect upon ourselves as a continuous locus of consciousness, to form and savor plans for the future, to dread death, and to express the choice not to die. And there's the rub. Our immature neonates, he means babies, don't possess these traits any more than mice do. Basically, this is what's known as a test balloon essay. He's trying to gauge response, gauge public opinion, and he actually quotes Michael Tooley's 1972 abortion and infanticide essay in which Tooley, also a professor of philosophy, makes the case that personhood rather than humanity is what confers human rights and that infanticide could be permitted, quote, "...up to the time an organism learned to use certain expression." Thule himself noted that he would establish, quote, some period of time, such as a week after birth, as the interval during which infanticide would be permitted. In other words, somebody would have a baby and they'd have a week to decide whether or not they were going to keep her. And if they didn't want to keep her, they could kill her. These are not fringe people, by the way. Stephen Pinker is a tremendously uh, famous MIT psychologist. Peter Singer is considered to be one of the most influential philosophers in the world, and again, works at Princeton. Michael Tooley, again, very, very famous philosopher. And so these are people putting forward the idea that infanticide infanticide is not only uh, morally acceptable but can be in some circumstances a moral good and these are the people that are running the discourse in the ivory tower and the ivory tower eventually leaks into the culture. Parents who find out that their child is imperfect too late to procure an abortion should, in Thule's view, just get another crack at it. And he writes this: quote, Most people would prefer to raise children who do not suffer from gross deformities or from severe physical, emotional, or intellectual handicaps. If it could be shown that there is no moral objection to infanticide, the happiness of society could be significantly and justifiably increased. Of course, Thule here is not considering the happiness of the rejected infants because he considers these children to be of no moral consequence at all. So let's go back to Dr. Jerry Coyne for a minute. He is a professor of of ecology and evolution, and he's actually proposing a change in policy. He is suggesting that our laws on abortion be expanded to include the right to infanticide. And again, he's implied that it's only because of Christianity that we're squeamish about infanticide to begin with, and that it's time we got over this superstition. Quote, It's time to add the discussion of euthanasia of newborns who have no ability or faculties to decide whether to end their lives. Although discussing the topic seems verboten now, and I find it indicative that he's using a German word there, I believe someday the practice will be widespread and it will be for the better. After all, we euthanize our dogs and cats, when to prolong their lives would be torture, so why not extend that to humans? dogs and cats like newborns can't make such a decision and so their caregivers take the responsibility. I myself have done this to a pet as have many of you and firmly believe that it's the right thing to do. Our pain at making such a decision is lessened knowing that dogs and cats like newborns don't know about death and thus don't fear it. And so just like Peter Singer thinks that killing a pig might be more morally consequential than uh, killing an infant, Dr. Jerry Coyne is overtly saying that there is no difference between killing a baby, say a week after birth, than there would be uh, killing a dog and a cat. And I I worry sometimes that we've lost the capacity to be shocked and horrified by people like this saying things like this, because I do think um, that they kind of shock our consciences into accepting that society has to head in this direction. Like For years, pro-life ethicists and activists have been told that citing prestigious scholars advocating for infanticide constitutes the slippery slope fallacy. Michael Tooley's essay came out the year before Roe v. Wade uh, came down from the U.S. Supreme Court. And we were told and are still told that one can find an academic to advocate for nearly any stupid thing, but nobody takes them seriously. We're told that, to quote Peter Singer's advocacy of, of infanticide as a threat, is essentially to be ridiculous and to again cite the slippery slope fallacy, but if the history of the 20th century and indeed the last decade tells us anything, it's that crackpot intellectuals give us mountains of cracked skulls, and the people that I've quoted here are not just random crackpot intellectuals, There's, there's something... Uh, that we refer to as nut picking where you pick somebody who holds the most extreme view and then you try to represent an entire field um, as holding that same view. Singer isn't some random guy. This is the guy running the philosophy department at Princeton. Michael Tooley is not some random guy. Neither is Jerry Coyne or Stephen Pinker. I'm not picking obscure philosophers nobody's heard of. I'm picking people who are considered leading voices in their field. And again these attitudes are already leaking out of the philosophy departments into our post-christian societies. I wrote an article about this back in the uh, back when it, when it first came out a couple of years ago but on August 2 2020 A study study entitled Healthcare Professionals' Attitudes Towards Termination of Pregnancy at Viable Stage, which basically means aborting a baby after it can survive outside the womb, was released by the research foundation Flanders and Ghent University, and they found that 89.1% of medical professionals and 93.6% of Belgian medical professionals indicated that infanticide is acceptable in certain circumstances. Get that? 89.1% of medical professionals and 93.6% of Belgian medical professionals indicated that infanticide is acceptable in certain circumstances. Of those surveyed, 87.9% quote agrees that Belgian law should be changed to make this possible. How soon do you think it's going to be before we hear an advocacy for euthanasia of newborns as long as it's safe legal and rare how soon is it going to be before we hear the argument that we need mercy killing for children who suffer how soon is it going to be before we hear about how cruel it is to force parents to raise a child they don't want especially if they didn't have the chance to abort a severely disabled child because perhaps they didn't know that the child was going to have disabilities because all of the surveyed medical professionals supported late-term abortion for babies with quote fetal deformities And so you can see what's happening here already. This is basically eugenics. It's a lethal form of ableism. It's the assumption that these human beings are fundamentally useless eaters and that we should have the opportunity to kill them outside the womb if we miss the opportunity to do so inside the womb. And again, as I've mentioned before, infanticide has already been de facto legal in limited circumstances in the Netherlands for some time because children under the age of one with a terminal prognosis can be euthanized under the 2004 Groningen Protocol, which one journal described as an attempt to, quote, Regulate the practice of actively ending the life of newborns and to prevent uncontrolled and unjustified killing. And read that babble for just a minute, right? When they say regulate the practice of ending the life, actively ending the life of newborns, they mean killing babies, but they just don't want to say that. And to prevent uncontrolled and unjustified killing, right? What's it? What's unjustified killing then? Inherent in their description is the idea that infanticide should be regulated instead of banned and that killing some babies is justified. The pre- that infanticide should be permissible in broader circumst- uh, um, circumstances is baked right into this protocol, which is why an expansion to child euthanasia in the Netherlands is now forthcoming. Child euthanasia may be coming to Canada as well, depending, of course, on uh, who wins government over the next couple of years. Suicide activists have been advocating for, quote, mature minors to be given the right to euthanasia for several years. And now some medical professionals are also asking the government to legalize infanticide, which is incredibly worrisome when you consider the fact that the Trudeau government has legalized everything else these activists have asked for. It was kind of horrifying for a lot of Canadian journalists and a wake-up call for a lot of Canadians when on October 7, 2022, Dr. Louis Roy of the Quebec College of Physicians told the Canadian House of Commons Special Joint Committee on Medical Assistance in Dying that in the view of his organization, his medical organization, euthanasia for infants under the age of one should be legal if the baby in question, quote, has grave and severe syndromes or, quote, severe malformations or, quote, perspective of survival is null, so to speak. Right? Like, listen to this trash. The, the idea of consent has already been totally dismissed because a child under the age of one can't, consent to a lethal injection i would argue that no child can consent to this but a baby there should be no argument that a baby can and so the national post published an editorial with a jarring title canada must not become a country that kills disabled babies which unfortunately we already are but the guts that this roy has dr louis roy he responded to the horror of canadians by condemning those opposed to infanticide as quote politicizing the proposal they're already using the exact same language about infanticide that they used about abortion, which is that those of us who object to killing babies in the womb are politicizing the issue. And those who champion killing babies in the womb are merely the defenders of healthcare and are not politicizing the issue. Right. Like the sheer guts that it takes for a doctor to respond to a backlash at a suggestion that we should be allowed to euthanize babies under the age of one as politicizing his proposal is just such utter garbage. But again, where do these attitudes come from? It bears noting here that Canada already kills disabled babies. Over 90% of children diagnosed with Down syndrome are killed by abortion. Infanticide advocates rightfully note that there's no moral distinction between a child shortly before birth and a child shortly after birth, and thus the line between late-term abortion and infanticide is often a very hazy one. We saw that already with the Stats Canada report showing babies are being born alive and left to die. Uh, Richard Dawkins, his blunt response, which I've mentioned on a previous podcast when asked by somebody what to do if you found out your baby had Down syndrome, was, and I quote, "...just abort it and try again." <clears throat> The Democratic Party in the United States has become a devout defender of infanticidal abortion practices as well. Again, I don't even mean abortion here, which is, as far as I'm concerned, uh, morally identical to infanticide. But I'm talking about infanticide in, in, in terms we would all agree with. Democrat governors now have regularly vetoed bills that offer protection to babies that survive an attempt Attempted abortion, with one of the most recent being shot down by Governor Katie Hobbs of Arizona. Democratic senators have consistently voted down bills that make it a felony for a doctor to harm or neglect an infant who survives an abortion attempt. Despite testimony from both medical professionals and abortion survivors themselves exposing and decrying the practice, right? So why would the Democratic Party veto a bill that bans a doctor from harming a baby after it survives an abortion unless they realize that the abortion industry at times does this and are trying to protect abortionists from prosecution or conviction, because if as some of these very very disingenuous people try to claim it doesn't happen anyways well then you should have no problem voting for a bill that simply re <clears throat> restates that doctors cannot harm a child who is born after birth but no they won't In practice, the Democratic Party supports the view of the philosophers we've just been talking about for the last half hour that some infants can be killed, or at the very least, that they should be denied protection under law. Now, all this reminds me of a column uh, written back in 2014 by the conservative agnostic Douglas Murray, who has written a couple of excellent books like The Strange Death of the West and The War on the West, I've actually had him on this podcast before. Um, You can go back and listen to that if you're interested. But back in 2014, so almost a decade ago now, he penned a chilling column for The Spectator titled Ethics for Atheists. Because Douglas Murray was once part of the sort of new atheist crowd of Christopher Hitchens and uh, Samuel Harris and Daniel Dennett and Richard Dawkins, who were all making the case that you didn't need Religion in order uh, to be moral, and in fact, um, that Christian ethics were themselves immoral. And Murray has come around to the view that that's actually not the case. And let me quote directly from his column, Ethics for Atheists, here. As the West become became increasingly post-Christian, we may have to accept the concept of the sanctity of human life as a Judeo-Christian notion which might very easily not survive judeo-christian civilization those who do not believe in god and who stare over that cliff may realize that only three options remain open to us the first is to fall into the furnace another is to work furiously to nail down an atheist version of the sanctity of the individual and if that does not work then there is only one other place to go which is back to faith whether we like it or not so douglas murray himself is an atheist or At least an agnostic, and when he looks at what the future holds. He realizes that the sanctity of human life, the idea that we are created in God's image and that it's self-evident that we have the right to life, may not survive the death of Christianity in the West. And this is something that really, really terrifies him. And I actually had the opportunity a couple of years ago to ask him if he still holds that position. He told me that he does, in fact, hold that position. And that the Christianity we are dispensing with actually provided us with a system of practical ethics that kept us from doing things like, you know— killing disabled babies but we're already seeing the uh, you know the elites the academic elites in our society advocating for the practices that Christianity abolished uh, 1700 years ago and a decade on from this column that Douglas Murray wrote it, it actually seems that we are not facing the scenario he predicted and that those atheists who are staring over that spartan cliff seem to be chillingly comfortable with their conclusions and enthusiastic about leaving the sanctity of human life in the rearview mirror. The reality is that there are ethical atheists, but there are no atheist ethics. They don't exist There will be no atheist version of the sanctity of the individual. And Singer and Pinker and Coyne aren't interested in faith either, although they are very interested in doing away with the Judeo-Christian ethic of the sanctity of human life and bringing infanticide back in some form or another, bringing back the killing of imperfect babies. And what's almost admirable about these men is that they're coming out and saying so, Uh, They're using phrases like fetal deformity. They're referring specifically to disabled babies. After all the work of the disabled community over the past decades to gain acceptance and to recognize that disabled people, people with disabilities have inherent value as well, you've now got philosophers coming out and openly saying that infanticide should be legalized in large part for the purpose of dispensing with people just like them. And so if there are no atheist ethics... And if people are refusing to return to faith, as Douglas Murray proposed back in 2014, where will we go? It seems to me that it's to the furnaces of Moloch that we will return, because I don't see any brakes on this train at this point. I don't see any party besides the Republican Party in the United States coming forward and defending babies that are born alive and left to die after abortions. I don't hear strong condemnation of proposals like that of Dr. Louis Roy, aside from a couple of horrified opinion columnists. And the reality is that people don't have a place to ground their ethics and their morals anymore. And at a certain point, the rights of parents not to be, air quotes, saddled with a child with a disability may very well outweigh the right of a disabled child to life. Because at the end of the day, autonomy is the new social religion and nothing hampers somebody's autonomy like having to care for a child, especially a child that they don't want to. Abortion has already given us the language of infanticide. It's given us the ethics of infanticide and it's led us to accept the idea that you can kill some smaller, weaker, imperfect human beings if we decide that we don't want them. And so when people ask me, do I think infanticide? may be legal in some form or another in the next 10 to 20 years, the first thing I would say is I think infanticide is already de facto illegal in certain circumstances, and I don't see any good reason why that trend wouldn't continue. I'd like to think otherwise, but when I look at the trends in the Netherlands and in Belgium, when I look at the staked out positions of Canadian politicians and the Democratic Party in the United States, uh, I'm not really sure what there is for me. I'm really not sure that the ideas of people like Steven Pinker and Peter Singer and Coyne, I'm not really sure who can stop these people from imposing their utilitarianism on society at large. And so I hope that it won't. I hope that we have a conscience that can be shocked into recognizing that killing babies is a horrifying thing. But I will admit that I'm not optimistic on that score. And the reason I'm not optimistic is because hundreds of babies in this country every single year are born alive and left to die. Those children die under the protection of Canadian law. Because once they fully exit the womb of his or her mother, those children are entitled to legal protections. And those legal protections have been denied them by every government uh, under which the issue has been raised. And so that's where we are in Canada. And the idea that our politicians will suddenly grow a conscience seems less likely to me than the idea uh, that the sanctity of the human individual may die with Christianity. For those of you who are interested in listening to other episodes of this podcast, please do go to lightsightnews.com, click on the podcast tab there. You can either subscribe to listen to future episodes or check out past episodes. Thanks once again for joining us this week, and we hope you'll join us again next week.